0: is this mic turned on wax poetic hi kids i'm a dinosaur hunter
1: bmx rider long division sure comes in handy all the little girls dream of one day biting into a corn dog and smiling at the camera if i ran the web you could email dead people wax poetic
0: just say no to Family there.
1: Good Come afternoon, trip. and welcome to Wax Poetic. I'm your co, your sole co-host this afternoon, Kevin Spence. R.C. and Pam are off um, surfing in um, Hawaii. I just made that up. But um, what we're really excited about this afternoon is having a wonderful poet in the studio, Sean Robinson, who's going to start us off with a poem. Hi. Uh, thank you.
0: I'm just going to read the first one It's called Sunumono. Uh And it goes like this Just because the sun is a globe of orange fire And not an orange soda Is no reason not to enjoy your morning Even in an empty lot Dandelions are framed by old foundations As though they were art And whether or not they're worth something The pennies in your pocket chime like a tambourine Adding a pleasing brightness to your day Like the half-moon of lemon in Tsunomono. The building I live in is made of two-by-fours, and shakes when a train passes as if it's receiving a message. And yet I'd rather live here than downtown, where the great glass towers look less like a city than a shelf of high-end vodkas. Unless it's the tiny city inside a cracked-open television, beside the dumpster where I leave my empties. A sign there reads, waste only, which seems like a hard way to live.
1: Awesome! Thanks so much. I'm glad you chose that poem. That's the first poem in the the chapbook, and I was thinking of using that poem in class um, with my students because it just so it's it so beautifully frames the poem, frames metaphors, and it's got sunomono, right? In it, which yeah. is everybody's favorite
0: great dish. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, to be honest, I don't love sunomono. Oh, god! But it. it's a great uh, okay. word. <laughs> and there was this uh, sushi place in my old neighborhood where you could get like a you pick a certain number of things off a of menu for a certain set price kind of thing. And mm-hmm. sunomono was one of the four choices, so I used to get it all the time. It was mm-hmm. just like my favorite among not favorite things. Yeah, <laughs> but I do think it's a, it. It looks nice. It's a very nice looking dish with the the little lemon in it. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And uh, and. Yeah, it does have an amazing sound to it, doesn't it? Hard to say, though. Four syllables. Yeah. Great big uh, word there. And it's compared to um, the sun, right? It's a great big sun in the sky. And metaphor seems to be something you, you think about a lot through this poem. Yeah. Am I- For sure, yeah. I mean,
0: uh, in a way. A lot of my poems are like this, and this one is just kind of a pile of metaphors I found in different places and then kind of put together and tried to find a narrative to hold them together.
1: Is there a story behind this particular poem with the first image that came to mind, or do you you remember the the order of things? I think I had
0: the the building shaking. uh, Like, I wrote this when I lived in Hastings Sunrise. Uh, I was there for, like, two years. I think of it as kind of like my poem about that neighborhood because that's where that restaurant was and that building that shook. And, like, I'd be up on the hill and you could see the city downtown and it looked so surreal and science fiction-y. Yeah. Uh, so I think just the, the, the idea of my building shaking uh, and then uh, how different it looks downtown were probably the basis for the poem.
1: Right. Cool. And an amazing neighborhood. And it's great when you take the bus... From the top of Hastings yeah. and you go down that hill and the city in the distance, it's and if you're at the very front of the bus.
0: Yeah, it kinda of looks like the Emerald City in Wizard of Oz or something, just sort of a fantastic thing in the distance. An yeah. adult version where the there's it's vodka. Right, exactly, yeah. But it's you know, <laughs> it's 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 clear and fancy and expensive,
1: so it's not the Emerald City. Yeah. And I love the contrast here that divide the gap between kind of the yeah. fancy glossy high-rises and the reality of back alleys. Right.
0: Yeah, I mean, Hastings Sunrise, that was a few years ago. It still felt like kind of a working-class neighborhood at the time. Like, you'd see people who seem to be from a mixture of backgrounds. I think it is uh, rapidly gentrifying at, at the moment. It probably can't buy a house around there for a reasonable amount. Uh, but yeah, it was an interesting contrast to go go mm-hmm. from there. I was, I was going to UBC at the time, and I'd go through the downtown and you know, getting more expensive as you, as you move through the city.
1: Nice. And were you studying your? That was your MFA. Yeah, time? that
0: was when I. Uh, that's when I started my MFA at UBC.
1: Which kind of brings to mind a question: What was life pre-MFA um, and post-MFA? How did you find that experience of doing your creative writing degree? Uh, uh what was life pre MF? Yeah, what was like what was your writing like kinda of before and then after? How did you find the experience kind of shape or change or influence your writing? I think
0: it uh it became a lot more focused and uh maybe consistent. I wrote more consistently. I think uh when I look at some of the older poems in this book, uh which I, I also did my undergrad at UBC. Uh, and some of these I wrote in undergrad And they're a little looser and more rambling uh, I'm maybe a little embarrassed about some of them But I'm still fond of them mm-hmm. uh, Did you do undergrad in creative writing too? I did also, wow, yeah Oh, that's yeah. a lot of creative writing It was I took a year <laughs> off in between You only do the last two years at UBC in undergrad
1: So it wasn't that bad I did my MFA um, there. It was nice to do it after many years of not being at university. So right. I, I so you are did... out of
0: school for a long yeah. time. Yeah. I, I actually, I was out of school for a long time. And then I f- had done half of a undergrad degree. And I went back to UBC when I was like 30 uh, to finish my BFA. And so I was like, well, I got my BFA done. Maybe I'll do an MFA now. Nice. Yeah. Very cool.
1: Yeah. Uh, let's hear another poem. Sure.
0: Uh,
1: And for those of you listening at home, um, we are talking to Sean Robinson this afternoon in the studio, uh, and we are on Co-op Radio 100.5 FM. Okay, maybe I'll read this one called New Year's Day, just
0: because it's the first poem uh, I wrote in this book. I wake up in a friend's mile-end apartment noon, and even the leaves have gone home for Christmas. The only food I can find is in jars, crunchy peanut butter and purple sauerkraut. I rustle through a paper sack of bagels, stale souvenir zeros. There's a bruise on my thigh, the shape of Haida Gwai. I could probe its, probe its depths if I wanted, chart the X of what hurts against the Y of how much, use the data to reconstruct the sidewalk that did the damage, work out speed and direction, begin to fill in some empty spaces, if I wanted. Instead, I follow a craving for bitter coffee down the carnage of Saint-Laurent, limping around unfenced construction sites and party debris. Thread plastic beer cups are symbols that need no translation. I snap cell phone photos of alleyway signs in low-rise windows to spare my brittle fingers from the cold. Two weeks in Quebec and still crashing on couches, still lost whenever I surfaced from a metro station, my inner compass useless without a horizon lined with mountains. By the time I get my coffee, my body is making new demands for ibuprofen and food court tie, and I have no choice, I obey. Why not? It was impulse that brought me here, further from home than I've ever been. Later tonight, I'll ride the metro for hours, from Beaubien to cote Vertu, from Snowden to jean Talon, rattling under the dense weave of city, Streets and habits, names and wires, laid down in a grid of meaning. When I finally get off at Peel, two blocks from home, a busker in the station will be playing Hallelujah, and as usual, thank God he'll be getting it all wrong. <laughs> I regretted choosing that halfway through, <laughs> I did display my really. Terrible French accent for some of the uh, the place names there.
1: Oh, yeah. oh, that's fine. That's fine. No, it's it's uh, it's, it's all good here yeah. on uh, so, Quebec people. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> it is all good here on Quebec. Uh, yeah. Alors, uh, um, and how long were you in Quebec or Montreal? Uh, six months. Uh,
0: I like thought I might want to move there, as I think a lot of people from Vancouver do. Uh, from time to time and I went and showed up on uh, December 17th and stayed there through the winter and uh,
1: decided not to come back after I, after I came back here. Yeah. Cool. Um, what um, was there an initial what was the initial impetus to head out?
0: To uh, some of my friends had gone out there for school and I'd always thought that I might like it out there like this is like 2009 so I uh, I think at, you know, it was very cheap out there. Rent was very cheap. Uh, and just people would always tell me, hey, you should uh, go to Montreal. You'll love it out there. It's so cheap. And if you're a writer, it's a place to try and live cheaply. But uh, then when I came back here to go planting in the spring, I was just walking around and decided that I would stay because I love it here. Nice. Though it doesn't tend to love, you know, it's a city that doesn't love. people in it necessarily Mm
1: -hmm.
0: but arriving in december you would have been fully embraced by by the coal yeah yeah it was minus 22 (laughs) the day i got there oh my
1: god and you're from bc no i'm I'm
0: I'm from uh uh, i was born in a hundred mile house uh uh, in the interior i moved to kitimat my family moved to kitimat when i was 10 years old and i went to went uh all the way through high
1: school in kitimat Yep. And what temperature is ideal for you to write poetry in? Um, the cold or oh, hot or? Uh, probably like a, a
0: 12 degree kind of drizzly day where I can like sit in a window and just look at the rain. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Be happy I'm inside.
1: So Vancouver is perfect. It is perfect, yeah, for writing poetry, yeah. <laughs> Did you keep a journal while you were in Mont- Montreal, jotting down I, all the I nice always keep things? a journal, yeah.
0: I, I, I get moleskin journals, and then I just start at one end and go to the other and fill it up with almost illegible writing, and then I go back through and try and figure out what I was trying to say and mm-hmm. make a poem out of it
1: afterwards. Nice. Yeah. And do you have a, a schedule that you keep, or is it just sort of a, whenever you have a free moment, you jot something down?
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean, if I have a day off, I will try and go somewhere and sit for a couple hours and write. But I also just, you know, carry my phone around and write down notes on my phone. And whenever whenever something comes, it's, it's nice to be able to write it down.
1: Cool. Yeah. And something I, I often think um, when I'm talking to poets, of course, your poetry is amazing. I love it. I love the chapbook. Um, I read it just a couple of weeks ago. and um, And I'm curious to know who you see as, you know, somebody you've read who's influenced your work or someone whose work you admire and um, have learned something from? Right. Uh, I think
0: for a lot of my life, I wrote fiction. Uh, That was the thing I focused on. And uh, probably five or six years back, I found um, Patricia Lockwood on the Internet. Do you know her? She's an American poet who... uh, She's probably more famous for Twitter than for poetry so she's fairly famous for both uh she's just very funny uh and when i found her poems i'd never found poetry that was contemporary that i found so funny and it deals with things like um anamorphs and bambi and also serious things but uh yeah it, i think that was inspiring to me and definitely for several years i tried to write poems like her and that did not work at all uh i i did really she's has a really amazing use of metaphor and she'll have metaphors that start off as one thing and transform as they move through the poem and Mm -hmm. I really loved how she did that and I think uh, as someone who's always been interested in metaphor and simile that made me feel like I could uh, write poetry and Cool. I think around that point I started writing poetry more than fiction
1: nice and does she write um, short haiku like poems on Twitter or she just kind of has another like
0: she has just odd thoughts on, on Twitter that are uh, that are very funny uh, like I remember seeing a list of funniest sports tweets and she was on there Though she doesn't care about sports but she said that <laughs> football looked like a a bunch of steaks trying to reassemble themselves back into a cow.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Nice. The intersection between like comedy and one liners and poems is kind of an interesting place.
0: Yeah. I think comedy is more related to poetry than people think necessarily. There's a lot of precision to the phrasing involved. I think, like uh, comics and poets both rewrite a lot and they shape it until they like get the exact effect that they're looking for mm-hmm. like there are similarities there James Tate James Tate yeah Very definitely funny yeah I think uh, James Tate is a strong influence on Patricia Lockwood and oh, like yeah. you know going back through people like that who are contemporaries I, I found James Tate uh, who's like definitely one of the funnier poets that exists
1: mm-hmm. beautifully surreal
0: yes absolutely I love it.
1: And um, now, I, people of course listening can't see that I am also holding a copy of your chapbook, Man Made Clouds, that came out through Frog Hollow Press this spring. Uh, Or last spring? Last spring, yeah. Last spring, wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, And, well, how, so people are going to listen to today's program and uh, they're going to wonder, how can I get a hold of Man Made Clouds? um, What do they do?
0: If you go to Frog Hollow Press's website, Uh, it's still available on there. You just order it with PayPal.
1: Cool. Yeah. And do you carry copies around?
0: I ran out of all my copies, yeah. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) I should order some. (laughs) Yeah. I was broke, but now I'm working again, so maybe I should uh, order some copies in case people want to. Yeah. see me on the street and they can run up and buy one off of me
1: yeah or your co and do all your coworkers have copies oh that's a really good idea I should bring it to work <laughs> it's a beautiful
0: I don't, I don't want my co-workers to know
1: what oh, I'm doing what yeah well before you quit maybe maybe you'll have to just quit your job like get them to buy the book and then quit your job and then go on Another job, right. and then get everybody to buy the. This chat is book. a really good idea. This is a really. We also give out uh, career, horrible career advice right, right. here on, on Wax. Yeah, good sales techniques. These are really good sales <laughs> techniques. Um, what I love, I mean, chat books are amazing. Yeah, totally. And I love that there's handmade paper. When you open this up.
0: Yeah, this chapbook is so beautiful, and I was so happy that I got the chance to publish it with Frog Hollow, because they just make these things that are beautiful objects, and uh, it made me really happy to see my poems inside it. I think the print that they chose is really beautiful, too. Mm
1: -hmm. And so this is a nice, and the reason, actually, I mentioned earlier that I wanted to use that first poem in class was the whole book itself also kind of... I mean, it's beautifully framed, and then it also engages in other for- art forms, so it's a, a, there's a kind of ecrastic right. poem near the end, right. uh, a poem that's in response to um, Fred Herzog right. photos, or one one photo in particular.
0: Just sort of uh, the general, a bunch of his, there were a few like specific ones I mentioned in the poem, but I wanted to kind of engage with just the idea of his whole poetry as a whole, yeah. Cool. I first saw it at a show at... Uh, Emily Carr and I just really loved it and I've, I've always loved his ph- photography
1: mm-hmm. yeah. um, Would
0: you like to read Sure, uh, absolutely that poem? Uh, This is called The Man Who Took Photos of Windows In one a life is laid out in the form of watches and fishing tackle a dented trumpet, a Coleman stove a trio of medals from World War II It was taken in 1957 in a city that isn't there anymore Even if some of the windows are, like the one where a woman stands in an open aperture of floral drapes, the words bargain shop above her, and behind her nothing at all. It's easy to see why I took them. The windows were already photos, frame and all, though no one else noticed at the time. There's one where a cedar box is being torn up for concrete forms, and another where a 50-cent top has just begun to spin. It later became a Dakota chrome tornado that rolled down Granville Street, sucking up cigarette butts and bits of bloody tissue paper. When he took a photo of his West End room, it showed the window, toothbrush and raz- raz- safety razor on the sill, the same razor as the man in the window of a Main Street diner, whose features are blurred, but whose fear is there as plain as the words on a menu.
1: Nice. And a menu is a kind of frame, too. Right. Often the, you know, the ledger the or the edge of a menu yeah, is so heavy. frame around it, yeah. 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 Um, so you see frames... Or at least kind of did or put that into this poem. Um, In other things, I suppose, like doors and... Sure, yeah. I mean, in that first
0: poem, I read the uh, foundations of old homes are frames
1: for the the dandelions inside them. Yeah. Yeah, I find myself obsessed with reflections. Right. And I notice reflections most everywhere, and that becomes kind of the set- center of my attention. Or sure. Yeah. It's like yeah. Yeah.
0: If you look at a window with a reflection, that can you can pretend it's a, a photograph or yeah. a, a moving
1: yeah. a film. Or stop me if this is too um, personal. Um, sitting on the toilet with my foot reflected on the tub, <laughs> and then just but the reflection just being a little bit of the foot, and right. it kind of looks like a blah like a, a really odd creature. Right yeah it distorts as well as yeah. as reflecting yeah.
0: yeah
1: yeah so what else kind of um <laughs> turns your crank poetically um photos and uh kind of these beautiful images in the world are there other topics or themes you find yourself returning to again i mean again? thinking of the three
0: poems that i've read today it's a lot of uh urban life obviously like it's a lot of uh Kind of that flaneurial thing of wandering around a neighborhood, which I found very romantic when I was when I was a younger man. Probably to my detriment, should have been working rather than uh, wandering <laughs> around the city. Uh, and this one, I I did find this one interesting because uh, I felt like Fred Herzog's photos reminded me of like working class life for like men like there's a lot of sort of solitary men in his photos and they're like i mentioned the one of his room because it was like one of those like sort of 50s 60s like uh one room uh just the bed in the room and like the landlord serving you meals and stuff like that it was kind of like a lonely existence sros yeah exactly yeah Mm-hmm. and like you know coming from a working class family I mean, a lot of his photos made me think of the men in my family
1: mm-hmm. cool I think we have time for one more poem sure with, um, yeah uh what should... and okay how about this
0: one yeah this is called this is not a walking around the city feeling things poem so it's slightly different it's called where do you bury the survivors Sometimes I think you're a fox and I'm trying to row you across a river. You're also, for some reason, a chicken and a bag of corn, and I only have room in my boat for one thing at a time. The river is this conversation, or the river is the rest of our lives, or the river is just a border between one solid place and another where we want to stand together. Not that I think you're really a fox or a chicken or a sack of dead weight. I mean that I'm afraid, if I leave you alone, the parts of you that seem at odds will start consuming one another. And now I think of another grade school riddle. A plane crashes on a border, and where do you bury the survivors? The way we told it then, the answer was you don't bury survivors. But that's not right, is it? Sometimes you do. Nice.
1: Um, I love how the poem um, shows and acts the kind of um, multiplicity of meaning and the way kind of meaning will not stay put Right. And, in you know, when we're kids, we've got these simple little riddles that are so pat and perfect, but on reflection, thinking about them again, well, this one just kind of sprawls, sprawls out beautifully. And, um, you know, the river is this conversation. That's so cool. Right.
0: Yeah, I think that is when I was talking about Patricia Lockwood, and she'll have these metaphors that start off as one thing and keep transforming through the poem. I think that is a thing I was trying to go for in, the, in this one to have a, a thing that keeps turning and it like
1: starts off as real and becomes figurative mm-hmm. yeah very cool and this riddle I just binge watched all of Fargo season one right and they've. this is is yeah, that in there yeah, I think so right
0: I did watch that yeah
1: because uh, they've got lots of little riddles lots of right. little stories right. lots of little kind of asides right that are used so beautifully right And they kind of embed them in these characters, really. Yeah, I
0: mean, I remember figuring out this riddle while I was planting trees one day, (laughs) and it made me happy. Uh, There's something kind of poem-like about a riddle, like how you like, you know, it's a series of words that's meant to make you think of. Create an effect, in mm-hmm. you, though it's a little more mechanical than a poem mm-hmm. ideally is.
1: Well, and historically, uh, Ken- kennings right. uh, Anglo-Saxon. Riddles. Is that that? Am I remembering that correctly? Like Anglo Saxons had had this form of. Right. Here's a riddle. Right. And you had to kind of figure it out, and that's the majority of their poems from. Right. You know, a uh, thousand five hundred years ago.
0: I think I mostly know about that from Cassidy Mcfadden's book because she had a bunch of riddles in there that were in that sort of hacker packer. packer. Hacker. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it had that uh, that uh, old Anglo Saxon kind of riddle type poems. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because they don't have time for long poems. They've got pillaging. Yeah. They've got a lot of Busy. need. you got to write you, it all up by hand, too. so It's yeah. going to take forever. So just get to the fr- flipping point with your kind of little riddle thing. Right. And uh,
0: <laughs> I, I think with this poem also, I read a poem by um, Richard Sykin, where he uses sort of uh, a bunch of jokes, like the start of some jokes. That, uh, and I was like, I like that. I'm going to do the same thing but i'll do it with a riddle so no one knows that i'm stealing it
1: nice Somebody, in you know. um is it foxes? is it something oh that's that from um, right feels not field of the foxes something about foxes you're field exactly of the right. rolling burning heads through <laughs> yeah, the you're describing
0: the uh yeah the cover uh war of the foxes yeah what it's called. yeah so i stole this one from uh, crush his uh his first book
1: okay oh, yeah. oh. Right, and that's very topsy-turvy in the yeah. descriptions of yeah. um, him growing up. Yeah, um, kind of a chaotic yeah. form. Yeah. Closeted and coming out. Yeah. Um, cool, and he's very funny, and he also kind of, well, in War of the Foxes, lots of ekphrastic poems or he thinks of totally. totally. kind of painting as a medium of creation and then right. brings that into the poem. Yeah, I
0: loved how he did that in that book, yeah.
1: Nice. Well... Sean Robinson um, it has been such a pleasure and that's this has just flown by totally um, it has been a real pleasure having you on the program and uh, yeah do you have any last are there any plugs any things you'd like to kind of promote for the end of like the summer are there any big uh, things coming up in August Or
0: my um, my friends and I started a chat book press called Rahila's Ghost oh, Press and yeah. uh, and we don't have anything scheduled, but our second set of three books, our spring launches for 2018, are going to be coming out later in the summer. So hopefully in July we're going to have a launch for that.
1: Awesome. Yeah, thank you. and I'm so sorry I didn't ask you more about uh, oh, no, press because it's amazing yeah. and there's yeah. such great stuff. But, yeah, of course, that, that's, yeah. that's wonderful. Well, it has been such a pleasure uh, chatting with you. Thanks and so much. Yeah. Uh, Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much for your time and your poems. And you have been listening to... Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, that's 100.5 FM. Have an amazing day.
0: You've been listening to Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO, 100.5 FM.
1: So what? So what? So what? What, what, what?
0: would just like to add that that was a pre-record from uh, June 4th, 2018. And since that time, um, Sean Robinson, um, as he said, the Healers Ghost Press has announced their next round of poets, including Jessica Johns. Um, and also, hit one of his poems was received an honorable mention in the ARC Poetry contest and he has signed a contract with Brick Books for a
1: full-length poetry uh, book coming out in 2020. So there's your update on all things jo- Sean Robinson.